Okay, this is Christina Sheppelman. She is, um, she's been the director of artistic operations at the Washington National Opera since 2002. And um, together with the general director, Placido Domingo, she plans and prepares all artistic aspects at the WNO and has also helped advance their reputation as a world-class opera company. And prior to moving to Washington, um, she's worked at respected opera houses in Barcelona and Venice and as the artistic administrator at um, the San Francisco Opera. So she's going to talk today about Guillermo Cuica's seating plans. It might seem a little strange for me to talk about um, paintings or, or visual artist, but uh, Kuitka has worked in the theater, um, as you probably know. I mean, he's done set designs for theater productions, and he must have, <clears throat> I mean, I've looked at that um, carefully, and he must obviously have some fascination with the theater or with his experiences in the theater. Um, I actually love what he did, and it, to me it looks like either a, a visual memory that he had from an experience in the theater or even a sound experience. But let me just talk for a moment about the shape of theater because I'm sure many of you have been to theaters but probably haven't thought about how a theater looks. Um, when you look at a shape like this, which any shape influences the acoustics, of course, and acoustics and sound goes in certain direction, bounces in certain directions, and, and creates um, different sound patterns that I feel are sort of visualized here. If you look at a theater like this, it's more of a 19th, 18th century theater, they're mainly made for the audience to look at each other more than on the stage. And the sound um, also does not expand the same way it does expand in modern theater. So you have basically a small opening, the stage is only here, then you have this big horseshoe, which is really made for people to see each other. Traditionally, the cheap seats were in the orchestra. People would be standing there. And the sound was never the best in the orchestra. Still today, I sustain, don't ever sit in the orchestra seats. The sound is going to go right over your head. So that is one very old-fashioned shape. Then when you move further into the 19th century, which I think somewhere was Covent Garden here, the, the space actually opens up and you have a bigger stage, and the whole visual and sound concentration is different. You're not there to look at each other and talk to each other. You're actually there to look at the stage, for the sound to come to you, to fill the auditorium, and to make cross-connections within the auditorium. And so the opening of the stage opens. And this, for example, is a modern auditorium, which is very wide, there's no importance anymore of looking at each other. It's all focused on the stage. And uh, when you come down here at the, the very end, this, and I can identify a few of those, and I recognize some of those floor plans, but this, for example, is La Scala di Milano, which was built in 1776, I believe, if I'm not totally wrong. And it still maintains this round, though... It has an incredible sound, and we try to, with physical, uh, with really making a science out of sound, but in the 18th century, they actually got it right most of the time. The horseshoe here is not as rounded as some of the small places, and the sound really expands into the entire theater. And when I look at this, I feel with 
A, that Kuika must really love the theatre, he must have loved his experiences in the theatre, and some must be a, a memory of what he experienced. This looks like sound and visual expansion. The visual part, of course, is here, so the focus always is, I'm looking this direction. But he seems to have taken the auditorium as the focus and the sound and the visual that goes out into the auditorium. The sound bends as it, as it goes. Sound also kind of explodes sometimes, which I love in that other uh, work he has around the corner. We can go in a moment. Because some of these, I feel, is really the explosion of music. The sound going into the theater and, and giving a certain feeling as you sit in there of, of strong, bombastic, explosive sounds, because depending what you hear, if you hear big pieces with 80 musicians, the experience you have in the house is different than when you have 25 musicians. You will have a physical experience sitting in there that, that, is, that is truly impacts you and can actually vibrate within you as it vibrates within the theater. And I feel that that physical experience and the vibration of sound is in, in all of them um, and they're clearly opera houses. They're not straight theaters. They're not prosa. They're really musical uh, houses built for music that has a much more explosive and bigger sound and makes for a physical experience. When you go to a theater and it's spoken word, it will never have the impact as, this, as singing and a big orchestra. And I'm fascinated what, what he must have felt here. It looks a bit... Um, as if he woke up the next day and was recreating the feelings that he had of this music and of this physical experience being in the theater. Those mainly, to me, are the experience of, of music or the feeling that he experienced from the music and the singing. I love the one when we can go for a moment around the corner. This one over here... The red on black, which to me, by the way, looks either like the Colón in Buenos Aires or the Liceo in Barcelona, which are also sort of horseshoe theaters, late 19th century, but very tall. That to me looks like the explosion of applause. That is the house coming down in, in this... If you've ever been in the theater where the audience at the end really explodes, that... I think is a visual, visualization of that feeling. It's an incredible feeling when you're in the middle of it. It's, it actually, to me, it grabs me really in the stomach when you see an entire house just exploding in excitement and applause. And that looks like just that. And it's also a, a physical experience. And if you think about it later, it can actually create visual images of that, of that house coming down of this great fascinating applause that a mass of 2,000 people creates. I, I wish I could actually ask him what his experiences with opera were because it clearly must be something very powerful to him in order to create those images. Um, over there, the, the black and white at the end, in a way, is much more subtle. Uh, we can just go over there. But all of it, in my opinion, is the visualization of, 
of sound and of the feeling that the sound creates in you. I mean, that, that's a, when you go too close, I feel it, it loses the effect, but that vibration of the space, it's what really music does. Music is a vibration. I mean, a, a string instrument vibrates and creates a sound because it vibrates. That is the vibration that creates a reaction in us. I mean, obviously I love music, otherwise I wouldn't say all this. But, but I, I love the effect of music and I love the, the physical impact that it has. And the, to put it like this, I've never seen anything like this and I feel he's so much captured what the, the feeling of sound and music and space within a theater. Uh, my favorite actually are the little ones we were first because I feel that the, it, it has all those different theaters where the sound runs in different ways and the colors, I admit I know some of the theaters and the colors and the way he expanded it visually really reflects the feeling in those theaters. Some are smaller so the, the explosion is, is in a smaller space but very powerful so it creates this detailed little um, f feeling because you cannot have this huge feeling of a big house and then you have the bigger houses where the feeling is much more generous and to me the favorite one I said is over there where you have the big the house just coming down in this huge um, in this huge motion because there's really motion in those images also and music is also motion music moves you cannot, you cannot stop music you can't stop a painting, you can look at it and, and contemplate it. If you want to do this with music, you basically have to replay it over and over again. So the dynamic of the music, the movement and the movement going forward, it, will, it cannot go backwards. You cannot just play it backwards. Well, you can, but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, it is really in those images. There's always an expansion in the music and the movement forward. And I'm fascinated actually how, how he gave this impression that, that to me really makes an impact and resonates because I, um, I think I've had those emotions being in the theater. And it's just nice to be able to sit and look at these paintings and sort of try to think of the emotion that usually is fleeting and goes away. And you kind of look at it and you try to remember a musical moment in the theater and go, I think that's how it felt. And I, I've never thought about it that way as often as I've been going to opera for, I think, about 30 years. And uh, I'm, I'm actually grateful to have been asked to speak a little bit about this because it forced me to really rethink my feelings uh, in those situations and, and try to imagine and imagine back moments in, in the theater like that. Who of you goes to the theater, who of you goes to the opera on occasion? If you're not, that's fine. It's not a test. I'm not <laughs> um, have, you, do you, have you ever felt those type of emotions? Or do you feel that this kind of reflects a little bit what you have experienced? Or do you go and just contemplate and don't get involved? I mean, do you ever had physical, this kind of vibration and this impact of music on you? Or 
Yes, ma'am. I mean, if you have any questions, please ask. I really don't, I don't pretend to be an art expert, which I'm not. I, I've been in the music business for 25 years, and I've been in theater for about 30 years. So these are, what I can tell you, are impressions from a, from a theater person that looks at that and goes, that is how it feels. I, that, that is visualizing how it sometimes feels to sit in a theater. Yeah. And so it sort of gives the same illusion as you're saying that it's moving and you know it's not static mm -hmm. and it's, it's vibrating and all of the same things yeah. you said about the music. And it bounces. Yeah, and it's fascinating because it really bounces. Those twisted images of the, of the theaters over there, the small ones, it's the sound also bouncing. Sound is not, it, you know, it's directional. Yes, I mean, if I shout from here to there, it is directional, but it'll come back, it'll bounce off the walls. It'll, it, it creates a dynamic of its own that, that you cannot, as much as um, modern um, theater architects try, you cannot exactly predict it. I mean, the, the best new concert halls today, they're being built with great research, and they think it's going to be a great acoustic, and sometimes it completely does not work. And that's, I think, so fascinating. And when you look at the old theaters of 19th and 18th century, for some reason they got it right, and it has to do also with material, with untreated wood, with uh, it's not chemically treated, not fireproof, not whatever. I say this because I lived through a fire when I worked in Barcelona. I was there when it burned down. And I guarantee you that the theater doesn't sound the same afterwards. So the, that the, the science of the non-science or what they knew at the time is, is so fascinating the way it actually works within a theater. It fills the room. It comes back. It, it goes to every corner. And that, that subtle vibration, I feel it's more subtle than some of the more extreme images there, to me feels more like an intense Mozart or a Rossini where, where there's a little vibration and, and little notes and it makes the whole room kind of float and vibrate in, in a beautiful way, unlike Wagner or Strauss that is bold and big and loud and, and just really punches you in the stomach. And uh, I... I really wish I could ask him about his experiences because he apparently has done theater design, but theater is very different of, uh, of the musical impact, and something must have fascinated him. And what I also find interesting is that he only looks at the auditorium. He does not look at the impact of uh, sound um, on the stage. It is always seen from the stage into the house because sound also has also goes into the stage, of course, but he ignores this completely. The fact is actually that sound goes on this... Of course, the orchestra is down to these days down in an orchestra pit. The singers are up on the stage. They sing out into your direction if you're in the auditorium, so the sound is really planned to fill the auditorium it only fills the very front part of the stage. It never really goes very far, which, which is an interesting aspect of the sound. It, you, the singers on stage today can act and go far deep onto the stage because we have sound monitors on the stage 
to blast the sound onto the stage so that when they're very far away from the orchestra that they can still hear and sing otherwise they would never be together which of course in the 19th, 18th century wasn't the case so that's why you had what was called stand and sing they would be just in the front and sing in the very front and really not act because they couldn't they would have had to stop singing because they can't hear the orchestra and that that's a that's an aspect that he doesn't look at it at all. He really just looks into the auditorium, which I find beautiful. And um, I, I actually would like to know which theater he had in mind over there. If you can find out, I'd be just curious. <laughs> Any more questions? Yes, ma'am. I would think so. <laughs> Plus, um, he's very, he was very personable, but um, he made a comment about, um, in effect, we, the viewer, are in the position of the actor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes. So that was interesting. Yes. The other thing is that opera so much now is using video, and video by modern contemporary artists like Bill Viola and a few others. Yes. In the background, I saw Faust, for instance, with this incredible yes. video background. Yeah. So it's interesting. These almost are pre-video in the way they move. And so it's yes. almost a coming together, emerging yeah i mean this this is i mean this is very pure in, in its intention it's really the pure intention of as from the viewer into the auditorium and the effect of the music without any technology without any projections without anything it's a very pure vision i think and very very honest also i believe yes we do use more projections in opera but uh, it's also a myth that is less ex- less expensive than set de- sets physical sets yes Absolutely. No, no. And it, it creates fabulous effects, actually. I'm just thinking, I think this is really great. I've never thought about historic principles of sound and then how it doesn't really resonate with the way that we Yes. Now, we often don't think about it. We go to the theater, we go to the opera, to a concert, and yeah, we look at it, we love the music, it's a piece we probably know, and, and, it, and, and we enjoy it. But it really does have a physical impact on us. It, it resonates in our bodies, it makes, a, it makes a, an impression, it really makes an imprint in us. If we really think about it, if we think back at performances that we really enjoyed, it leaves an imprint in us, an image that might not be exactly what we saw, but it's an image that is filtered through our feelings and through our thinking, and it will stay with us. And in a way, we, at least the crazy ones that go very often back or that are forced to go back because they work with it, we keep going back because we want to recreate this, this feeling. And you know, out of 100 performances, one gives you that excitement, and that's the one that you go back for. And it's, it's a very unique fascinating experience that will stay with you. I guess it's like the hole-in-one on the golf course. <laughs> Any more questions? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Because there are no people in the audience, and what you were saying just now, it made me think when we were talking before, was that it's more like a memory. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why somebody would do this because maybe they are thinking that. Yeah. I mean, there. I believe there are definitely memories and impressions of what it was. And if you look back, you 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 think of the theater and often you think of it empty because you want to be the only one. Because the the real personal emotional experiences of music, they're very personal. They're very intimate. So ideally, we really, we, I believe we really want to be alone in the theater and be able to feel this emotion, feel that emotion of being punched in the stomach or being able to cry and love without anybody else seeing you because it is very intimate what music evokes emotion-wise. So I think the, the empty theaters are indeed that, that feeling of remembering and remembering being the only one, remembering your emotion in that space alone which in a way is the ideal world. We, don't, we cannot do performance for one person alone, but you know, we, we, if you can think it the, uh, see it that way the day after, it's, it's a great feeling, actually. Yes, sir? You were also talking about the horseshoe-shaped early theater. Theatres at the time in Europe were created by a court, by a king, by a baron, by whoever. It was a court. It had a center box where the king or the count or whoever sat, and it was at, a, at the box level. It never was at the lower level. It was one level up, center box, best seat, best view. Everybody wanted to see the king also, of course, so the horseshoe shape helped being able to look that direction where the, where the center box was because you wanted to see what's going on there. You wanted to be able to say, oh, I saw him, oh, I saw the princess or whatever. And you wanted to be able to share this. So actually at the time, people talked, ate, drank during the performance. The performance was a side product. It was like having the television running as you were having dinner, basically. And people were standing on the floor like we do now, and instead of having seats in the orchestra, they, they stood there. And they looked around, sometimes on the stage, sometimes around, okay, which nobility is today here? Who did come, who didn't come? And that made for a for appropriate gossip also. The orchestra was at the same level, which was problematic. The orchestra originally also, they were not seated. They also would be standing. And then this slowly changed, of course, with time. I mean, the, especially Wagner changed that very drastically by building an opera house where you can't even see the orchestra and you had to look at the stage. The, you, you, the seats were uncomfortable and you were forced to look at the, at the stage. So... The shape of the theater changed with the society. It really adapted to how society viewed entertainment. It became from a social place where you went to gossip and and see and be seen to a place where you would actually see a performance and comment later on the performance. The eating and drinking continued all through the through the 19th century. That didn't stop. Actually, I have to admit that in Barcelona, I was able 
At the time, I was smoking cigarillos. I was able to sit with my boss in the little room in front of the box. We would drink champagne, smoke, and the door to the auditorium was open so we would still be able to hear because we went to each performance. So it's not, you know, when you go to each show, I think you can sometimes just listen with half an ear. But that's what was traditionally happening in opera houses all the time. It was entertainment, like we eat popcorn in the movie theaters today. It slowly changed as the pieces became more demanding. Um, the orchestra w had, much, had to have much higher skills. The singer had much higher skills. The singer became the focal point of, of the excitement. The big divas of the times of Rossini and Donizetti that wrote wonderful pieces for those sopranos or in the 18th century for countertenors. And those were the big stars, the pop stars of the time. So with time, people really wanted to hear them and see them and then talk about them afterwards. So the space slowly opened up. The stage became more important. There were seats down in the orchestra. The orchestra went down into a pit at a lower level so that you could actually look over the orchestra when you were seated, look and see the stage instead of being seated and just look at you know, at the orchestra because they were at the same level like, like the orchestra seats. And so it slowly evolved, I think, also with the difficulty and the quality of the operas written. The pieces were more demanding, and so they demanded certain attention to the point where today <clears throat> when you um, buy a ticket, your expectation today is to be able to see and hear and so the auditoriums adapted to that too. I mean, if you go in Europe to, to, a, to an opera house and you are in a box and you're in the, in, the, in the deep part of the box, there's no way in hell you can see anything. You have to stand up, kind of twist your neck, and if you're lucky, you see a little bit off the stage because the, the, the back part of the box was not made to see. It was made to eat and drink and uh, whatever else, um, and, but not to see the stage. Today, you get very angry. It's mostly actually the American um, patron that comes to Europe that gets sometimes a little angry when they buy a cheaper seat and they can't see. When you buy a cheap seat at the Met or at, at the opera here, at the Kennedy Center Opera House, or in, in most mo more modern opera houses, you can see also from the cheap seats, and you have this expectation. And you should, I think. But uh, it, it's not everywhere so. But the modern auditoriums and also symphony halls have completely changed. They're really there for you to hear and see as good as possible and to listen. Personally, I don't subscribe to the idea that you have to sit there as if it were a church service and never say a peep. I think if you're really excited, applaud. If you really think this was fabulous, what you just saw, turn to your neighbor and say, gosh, wasn't this great? I mean, I, I think that the dynamic and, and many singers that, that I've talked to and that I've answered this type of, uh, to this type of topic to an audience have said we need that feeling from the audience. We need the dynamic. We feed off of the audience. So if you sit there quiet and bored and, and, and don't react, that's not good either. I don't want to go back to be drinking and eating during a performance, but there should be life in the auditorium too. It, it gives the stage the vibration that they need to keep the auditorium vibrating. Any more questions, or should we? Oh, well. Otherwise, I'd like to wrap it up. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, maybe I'll see you here again or at the opera. Thank you.